0: Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report, powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. My name's Michael Laminato, and this is Round 18, the United States Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton had all the momentum heading into Austin, knowing that victory would be just about enough to beat Sebastian Vettel to a fifth world championship. But instead, Mercedes struggled in the race, and crowd favourite Kimi Raikkonen took his first win in more than five years, forcing Hamilton to wait at least one more week to claim the crown. To analyse how Vettel got the chance to fight for one more round, I'm joined by ESPN F1 Associate Editor, Nate Saunders. Nate, how are you doing? Hey, mate, I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, look, really well, considering we've still got a championship fight somehow. Somehow? I mean, somehow. We can, I mean yeah. can we call it a championship fight? Well, we, we get to keep calling it that. I think that's the only benefit we really have. Is <laughs> we can say it's, like when, it's like
1: when one guy's like, on the canvas, and it's on the nine count. <laughs> and the, the ref's just taking a really long time to like yeah. call it. We're like, hey, it's still, it's still a World Heavyweight Championship fight. The other guy's dead <laughs> and buried.
0: Yeah, but the, the referee in this situation, I guess, being Kimi Raikkonen.
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. He's the guy who runs in, like in the yeah. WWE, runs in and, yeah. like, Influences the end of the match, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. He took an unexpected win in the United States. Awesome win. Always popular when Kimi Räikkönen wins. Uh, yeah. Gave the crowd something to cheer about, even if he didn't give himself something to cheer about. Yeah. Typically, Kimi Räikkönen, I think the line was, it won't change my life.
1: Oh, well, he said that about four times as <laughs> well. He was like, "It's it just a number. It was great. I was yeah. So, so Kimmy about it.
0: But uh, it, it was interesting in the sense that it's so popular that Räikkönen won, and so unexpected as well. His first win in more than five years. That it did overshadow for at least a time the fact that everyone expected the championship to finish this weekend, yeah. and it's still going by virtue of the fact Hamilton couldn't overcome Raikkonen, and Vettel didn't do quite badly enough to throw it away himself. Yeah. It was yeah, it was like
1: vintage Vettel this year, like just <laughs> just not enough of either either thing. Mm-hmm. But the great, I, I actually liked that it didn't end because I think if if we'd been we'd be sitting here talking about Lewis now, mm-hmm. if, if the championship had been wrapped up and we kind of look Kimmy still would have won but it would have been overshadowed hugely by the True. fact that Lewis had done it and it was such a cool story and everyone like you said wanted to do it mm-hmm. that I'm glad that didn't happen and we had Max in there as well which was another cool story yes and I know we'll talk about that later as well but mm-hmm. that I thought was actually probably the standout performance of the race for, for me anyway absolutely yeah.
0: 18th to 2nd certainly a, yeah. a big performance let's start right at the beginning of this weekend yep, yep. Friday practice was completely, well, nearly completely rained out. There was some running, but only wet weather running on intermediate tyres. And it's not the first time that's happened here and not the first time it's certainly happened uh, in the past. And that has a big effect on race weekends and how they're set up.
1: Yeah, massively. I mean, the interesting thing was the next day talking to people after qualifying and all of them were saying, like, when you lose a day, especially when you lose FP2, which is obviously the representative one for the rest of the weekend, it just, it means that, If you get FP3, as they did, you're you're cramming three hours worth of Friday and the hour of FP3 into Mm -hmm. one hour of FP3. And as soon as we knew it wasn't going to rain on Saturday, all that running was pretty much not invalidated, but it's not that representative. And crucially, they didn't understand any of those tires. Mm -hmm. And especially when it came to blistering and the softs, the super softs, etc. And I actually think it kind of, for me, I've always thought there should be less practice I mean, or we should go straight into a competitive session and the fact that the race played out the way it did makes me think if we didn't have as much practice and the teams were a bit more blind about things mm-hmm. maybe we'd have a fun race I don't know what you think about that but maybe, maybe yeah we'll I mean that
0: it. certainly is what's borne out and it, it's maybe exciting to think that I think the early forecast suggests Friday in Mexico should also, should also be wet which right. uh, adds an extra element of spice because it does I mean Formula 1 teams are so good at, well, being a Formula 1 team, setting up their cars, knowing what they've got to do. They do it 21 times a year. To remove 90 minutes of, of practice does have an effect. Yeah, huge. It's worthwhile noting that the teams still are roughly in the competitive order we expect, but it does add a degree of variability like we saw in the race where no one really understands how the race can get from A to B. Yeah,
1: um, one of the interesting sessions was uh, Kevin Magnussen on Saturday, mm-hmm. and he said that losing Friday meant that you're kind of you kind of just hit the ground running on Saturday and if you make even the slightest misstep Friday which he said that he, he just mm-hmm. did on setup, you go into qualifying and you're kind of you're already on the back foot and then you know even worse and then you go into the race in his case with a lower grid position than he thought he should have had mm-hmm. and it just it changes the whole weekend so even if it's like he was saying especially in the midfield two tenths there is the yeah. difference between seventh and twelfth mm-hmm. So it might not have as big an impact at the front, but in the midfield it definitely does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another thing worth considering in the run into this race was the fact, obviously as we've been talking about, the championship was (laughs) on its last legs, continues to to be, but that was largely because over the course of the last month, Ferrari's really lost the performance initiative. They had probably the fastest car for a lot of the season, if not all of it, and even if not by a much, but... Over the last couple of rounds, Mercedes is really... Now, whether or not they've taken a step forward or Ferrari's taken a step back, either way, they've moved forward. Everyone yeah. expected that to be the case again here. It wasn't really how it turned out. Do you put that down to the rain, or is it more about these updates they've taken off the car?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's this... Uh, Vettel was very kind of... It was interesting what he was saying, like, mm-hmm. we've had to go a few steps back. And he basically said, when you've done that, it shows you've made an error somewhere. Yeah. So it looks like they've gone... They've basically kind of had to circle back to where they were a few mm-hmm. rounds ago. And if you actually look at how the season kind of played out, it did seem like Ferrari suddenly just lost their performance. Yeah. People were speculating, was it down to the sense of the FIA had on the car, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et but a much more logical explanation would be that they've just taken such a wrong step, and then they've replicated it with the next few steps. Um, so I think maybe the, maybe the rain played into it a bit, but it seemed on absolute race pace that mm-hmm. Ferrari was the stronger team than Mercedes. And if you look at the last two races, you wouldn't have predicted that at all. No. So I think, it is, I think it's the upgrades they've taken off the car, mm-hmm. which then you wonder how a team that's leading a championship <laughs> can go so badly wrong. I, I don't know.
0: Well, the, the incredible thing about what Sebastian was saying about these upgrades is he made the time reference three or four months worth of upgrades, yeah. which is incredible on in two parts. A, that it's taken three or four months to decide, actually, yeah. this is the wrong development part. But second to that, they took off three or four months' worth of performance upgrades and were still faster than Mercedes on race pace.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, either Mercedes is stood still or Mercedes is... I think Mercedes has always been has made very, very incremental but very slow mm-hmm. gains and they've worked on different parts of the car, whereas Ferrari made such a big jump at the start of the year. But three months you're going back, I mean, you're going back to sort of the end of the triple header yeah. sort of time, which is... And you've got a summer break in there as well. Like, yeah. So, you know, I know there's a shutdown, but... It is, its is. I've never heard of a team admitting that before. Yeah. At, uh, at least a team fighting for a championship. That, hey, you know, the last three months of work <laughs> we've done has basically just been it's completely useless and has actually cost <laughs> us a championship, probably. So, really bizarre. Um, yeah. And um, I wonder, after what happened last year at Ferrari with mm-hmm. reliability costing them the championship, if they've lost this championship because of Vettel's errors, yeah, but mm-hmm. also because they've taken this huge wrong step. I mean, what do you yeah. do with the organisation then? You're like, guys, yeah. we've got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot like this.
0: It is. Uh, the the wrap-up for Ferrari at the end of the season would be fascinating. It could be a fly on the wall in Maranello. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's not going to be a comfortable party to be at if you're <laughs> anyone, anyone who's not Kimi Raikkonen who's just leaving at the end of the year.
0: you can just be like, yeah. All right, see you later, guys. He will surely win the last three races as well, Kimi Raikkonen.
1: Yeah, we have a theory that Kimi's just going to sweep up and then yeah. go, into, go into next year as four consecutive race wins. <laughs>
0: Hey, look, you heard it here first. Indeed, it does happen. Going into qualifying, uh, if we talk about Sebastian Vettel almost willingly letting this championship go, (laughs) had a penalty as well to serve for disobeying red flags. I know there was some contention amongst drivers as to how that should be enforced but the fact was that it had been enforced multiple times this season already yeah
1: and I think it's important to actually say that the the penalty itself was pretty unlucky because Mm -hmm. we've seen Ocon got caught out in Japan Ricciardo got caught out in Australia and it's pretty much a black and white rule if you're you're Mm -hmm. faster than this delta here it's a penalty and what he was saying was he would have had to slam on the brakes you know stop because it wasn't it wasn't for there weren't people on track it was gravel on track so I think that was that was unlucky but he still—it was three places—and he still had a, you know, mm-hmm. a chance to get himself back in there. Uh, and in qualifying, Kimi showed the pace of the car, so it was another case where we would sat on Saturday evening, weren't we, saying like, mm. I mean, this should be Ferrari yeah. <laughs> should, should be out in the front. Yeah. And it just—it if if, I think I've used the phrase this this like, perfectly encapsulated the season like three mm-hmm. times in the last four races <laughs> <breaks. laughs> <laughs> because every time. Seb does something; yeah. it just seems to encapsulate what what we've seen happen. Yeah, for every so. positive action, but I felt he was. Action, yeah, so. I felt he was unlucky with the, the penalty, but it 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 just he then didn't help himself from that point on. Yeah, um.
0: absolutely. Also, two other things to note from qualifying: one, which we will talk about later on, was that Max Verstappen suffered suspension failure yep. in Q two, which left him initially 14th, and then the subsequent gearbox penalty dropped him to 18th. But then, most interestingly, was that Kimi Raikkonen was the only of the then top five drivers, excluding Verstappen to qualifying Q2 on the ultra soft tyre as opposed to the more durable, more flexible super soft. It's not the first time obviously that drivers have used the super soft or mm. the the medium compound tyre. It's gonna be much easier to talk about this oh, next yeah, yeah. season uh, in Q2. That's compound uh, A
1: and compound C you're talking about, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> but this was almost, I mean, it, it made more sense to use that middle tyre considering there was a lack of tyre information. That's the flexible tyre, but yeah. In retrospect, we can really look at Ferrari already taking this aggressive posture into the race, saying, is going to be our highest place driver. Give yeah. him that start-line advantage, yeah. which ultimately, if we now look into the race, exactly paid off.
1: Yeah, and it shows the luxury you have when you're not in Mercedes position, where you're yeah. like, look, there's no need to take any risks at all. And if if you do that and it backfires, it's, it's a disaster. But yeah, I think given given what we saw at the start and how important Raikkonen of beating Lewis into Turn 1 was, I think it was a pretty good decision in the end because it, if he hadn't got past there, it's the sort of circuit where mm-hmm. it's actually quite... It's, it, there's, there's places to overtake, but it's actually more difficult to overtake than people maybe give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, we saw a few overtakes during the race, but yeah. unless you're willing to like, lunge down the inside of 14 or Turn 1, mm-hmm. during the circuit itself, there's not so many. So yeah, that was, that was ballsy of them. I wonder if they'd have done it with Vettel as well. Yeah. I assume they would have done, if, if he didn't have the penalty, because with yeah. the penalty, it changes everything. But, yeah, I, I assume they would have done.
0: Yeah, and it really set up the race from there, because, like you say, overtaking, at most circuits, to be honest, is difficult yeah. when the cars are extremely closely aligned in pace, which the Ferrari and Mercedes this weekend were, which makes it that much more difficult. But this was really... The first decisive moment of the race was Reichman getting past Hamilton at Turn 1 because it set in motion a series of decisions for Lewis Hamilton's race that ultimately conspired not only to lose, it, to lose him the race but to drop him even to third place behind Max Verstappen. Uh, and the first actually came ironically enough from Daniel Ricciardo who Mm. for not for the first time retired from a race with a power unit related problem
1: yeah luckily he doesn't have to deal with Renault oh wait (laughs) wait a sec
0: lap 10 Uh, or lap 9 I think the failure happened and the virtual safety car was triggered by lap 10 yeah Uh, and we had this obviously with a safety car at any point in time uh, a potential pit stop window open Lewis Hamilton was the only driver to make use of that he was told to do what Raikkonen didn't do Raikkonen briefly looked like he fainted towards the pits didn't go in So Hamilton stopped very early for a runner starting on the Super Soft tyre. They weren't meant to stop till around lap 20 approximately. Uh, But it seemed like the aggressive and correct decision at the time, didn't it?
1: It did. And you can look at it and obviously when you unpack stuff, it's easy to say they did this wrong or or whatever. And Mm -hmm. in an ideal world, obviously, if that had been a couple of laps later, it would have been, I think it would have been a masterstroke. Because it would only really, Mm. you're talking about a couple of laps margin of error here. if if, if they'd just done the same as Kimi Lewis still gets stuck in the dirty air of Kimi later in the race Mm -hmm. that's what led to a lot of the blistering that's what led to all the issues that he you know was having during both of his stints Um, so I think they went they went to win the race you know they tried to do something aggressive Mm -hmm. and it was either do that or copy copy Kimi's strategy and I don't think given the lack of straight line speed they had Mm -hmm. I don't think they would have compensated enough in the corners to get past Kimi on track because that's what he would have had to have done so I agreed with it Uh, it was obviously like you said the the issue was what happened after it Mm -hmm. the sequence that followed and the fact that when they made that decision I don't think they imagined that later in the race Max would be up there in second position I think so I think that kind of in, in hindsight they might have made a different call if they'd known they had another car to clear before getting past Kimi as well.
0: Worth emphasising as well. um, Obviously, in a situation like this, there's a lot of talk after the race about whether or not the championship battle weighed in on the strategic decision. Emphasising, like you said there, that this was an aggressive strategy call that Mm. was aimed at winning the race. A, because they didn't expect Verstappen to be there. But more to the point, at that point, Sebastian Vettel had fallen down the order. He was unlikely to be competing for the podium. And therefore, second place would have been enough to guarantee the championship, but they were looking higher than that. This was purely that attitude that maybe they learned in the Nico Rosberg days of really, really <laughs> yeah. taking it one race at a time and taking that race in isolation.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and also, I think in some races, just going for the best result is the best approach. Mm. It sounds really stupid, but you can, you can almost you can get into a weird kind of rhythm if you start being like well let's let's finish second let's finish third let's finish fourth or whatever mm-hmm. you start making decisions that don't actually make any logical sense yep. in the context of that race and you end up doing things because you're trying to get a certain position or trying to do something different so I think they 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 treated it as if it was a normal race you know just a race like race one in the season or something I think they would have done the same call. or whoever was second in that instance would have done the opposite of the leader so I liked it I didn't have any problem with it I know people were saying Mercedes messed up but I think it was yeah, it was something they had to do. I don't think Lewis would have been happy if... I don't think he had the pace on a one-stop strategy to, to win. There
0: were a couple of things that happened in that second stint as well that defined the timing of the, the second stop and ultimately the success of that third stint. Uh, the first of them was, and you touched on it a, a moment ago, that he pushed quite hard to recover. The only nine seconds he'd lost ground to against Kimi Raikkonen because the idea was... He'd be right up behind Raikkonen again and essentially be on the same strategy as him anyway but with fresher tyres. Yeah. And not for the first time this season in fact the direct opposite thing happened in Italy where Raikkonen was behind mm. Hamilton blistered or as a result set in motion the, the actions that would lead the tyres to blister essentially by overheating them quite early. So maybe already there's a sort of a crack that's, that's appearing that, in that strategy right? It, couldn't, it didn't have to go exactly the way it did.
1: Yeah, um, and there was also some, um, some traffic along the way that yes. he hit. Because Lewis came out of the pits and they said, you're nine seconds behind Kimmy. Mm-hmm. And he said, how on earth am I nine seconds back mm-hmm. um, from the second stop? But that was because of what had happened to him in that middle stint of being mm-hmm. stuck in that traffic when he ne- really needed to just be building that gap mm-hmm. for track position afterwards. So I think it's a good way of putting it. Cracks in the strategy start to appear when, when you mm-hmm. start to kind of unpick it from that point.
0: Yeah, and of course then the timing, Toto Wolff says this committed them to a two-stop and realistically it did because it was way beyond the the range of the soft tyre, although it would hardly have been the first time this season that a set of tyres went way longer yeah, yeah. than they were supposed to, and we will talk about Max Verstappen in a moment. But the timing of that second pit stop should have been the key thing for mm. Mercedes to be considering, and indeed presumably they were. Uh, the blistering was getting worse as he progressed in this stint, but... Crucially, he was holding a, a approximately 17 second advantage over Raikkonen, which was thought to be that key, because the pit stop's worth around about 20 seconds here, even maybe a four second deficit or so after the pit stop. Yeah. And then that point he'd have pressure ties to be able to attack. But something happened right towards the end of his stint, which was the encounter traffic, as you said, around about lap thirty-five.
1: Yeah, and he had he had the gap mm. before it. Or at least he was very yeah. much on way closer than he would have been. And yeah. then after I'm not sure you have probably got the exact laps written down but mm. it was it, I think those are actually the laps that probably cost him because yeah. he then spent a chunk of his final stint basically undoing that damage and you know laps that he should have been there attacking Max yeah. and Kimi or, or just Kimi if he'd come out at a certain point
0: he lost seven seconds in about six laps right. in traffic, which was huge. Right before
1: his pit stop. Yeah.
0: Right before his pit stop, uh, yeah. which really, and this is the, the strategic question of, of this part of the race, was should he been brought in earlier? And I know the idea was obviously to give him that, t- that fresh tyre advantage later in the race as much as possible, so to have a, a shorter second stint, if you like. Uh, but then in, in pitting him late as well they also lost ground to Verstappen so if there's one moment if you do want to blame Mercedes for anything people who want to attack Mercedes is it this five lap period where they really did throw this race away
1: yeah I think this, this is probably because we could see it I remember because we, we were sat on the same row weren't we? Yeah. and we were kind of like, like well okay Lewis has lost a bit of time on that lap mm-hmm. it's probably time to start coming in loses time again loses time again and you can see the gap to Kimi mm-hmm. coming down and that's like you said the key one I wonder whether they were wary of the traffic becoming a factor later on in the race. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you you clear the traffic, come back out or whatever, I don't know whether that played in what what mm-hmm. their what their data was saying. But I that's to me that was when I was looking back at it last night and this morning. That was when I thought he lost the race. There was because mm-hmm. that time he spent he, and he didn't he kind of used up a lot of the performance of his yeah. tires, kind of getting back to to Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, rather than come out right behind Max and have mm-hmm. completely fresh set to attack him, and probably would have got past him pretty easily, mm-hmm. and then attack Kimi. So I think it was it was key because it, it's lap thirty seven. So you know, if he'd come in lap thirty two, lap thirty one, yeah. I think this would be a different story. Exactly. Cause as soon because as, as soon as he's past Kimi as well, that's, mm-hmm. he doesn't need. He can just manage the tires from that mm-hmm. point. Even if towards the end of the race they're problematic, because Kimi wouldn't have had the tires to to fight him.
0: And so looking at that third stint, lost in those seven seconds was uh, the place to Max. Had he stopped earlier, he well could have uh, at least come out side by side with him, yeah. if not ahead of him. Uh, but second was the fact that that traffic that had slowed down the the end of that second stint had to be passed again right at the very beginning, as you yeah. mentioned, the, the third stint, taking away, and, and Hamilton acknowledged this after the race, that the best part of the new tyres is really those first two or three laps. Yeah. And if they're wasted in traffic, suddenly that... New tyre advantage they were aiming for by delaying that stop. Well, it was less. It didn't, it didn't really add up to, to what they expected it to be by the end of the stint. Yeah. Which, which means at the end of the day that he couldn't pass Max Verstappen. He couldn't pass Kimi Reichman even had he had passed Max Verstappen. Yeah. And and that's where the race seemed to be lost.
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. The you always want to make sure that your guy gets out of a pit mm-hmm. stop in a position where he can, where the advantage you've given him with those fresh tyres can mm-hmm. be used and like you said if he'd come out even if he'd come out just behind backs or whatever I don't think it would have been an issue too bad you know he could Mm -hmm. have he could have made the ground he needed to so he kind of this just shot I think as soon as that happened it was very unlikely he was going to win the race I think he Mm -hmm. still could have finished second yeah but Max, and Max is a bit of an obstacle anyway, as we've, as we've come to know. Uh, so, yeah, getting past him would have been would have been difficult as well.
0: Let's consider Max's position now because, as you yeah. said, the obstacle is a good word. That was really, for most of the race, up into the last two laps of the race, yeah. the thing that was preventing him from claiming the championship until Vettel recovered and passed spot hats. Uh, a, a, an ambitious and unusual race strategy for him. started on the soft tyre down in 18th. Made up nine positions on the first lap, so that was half the work done (laughs) essentially. Good on him, well done. Uh, But then come lap 22, roughly when everyone starting on the ultra soft or super soft tyres was stopping, he did as well. He Mm. sort of kept track with them and switched over to the super soft tyre for a really ambitiously long 34 lap
1: stint.
0: Who'd have thought he'd be able to make that last?
1: I don't think many people. I mean, um, Magnuson did 30 laps on mm-hmm. the Supersoft, and that was out of necessity of where he'd... So it was, again, trying to mm-hmm. get up. And, but the only other longer one than that was Brendan Hartley, 27 laps on the mm-hmm. Supersoft. And I think the, the the assumption that most teams had was that Max wasn't going to be a factor in it, because yeah. he'd have to go longer on that set of tyres. Mm-hmm. at the start, or, or he would go longer on that set of tyres, because the Supersofts couldn't last for that long, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have elevated himself up there. I think the key was clearing all those cars at the start because if he if it spent yeah. if it spent a few more laps like kind of you know slaloming through mm. the guys that he had the pace advantage over it might have hindered his progress a bit and and then vettel being knocked back as well kind of helped because it took one yeah. of the quick cars out of contention mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it was i think verstappen's been really impressive recently i think it was you know proof yeah. that he's like maturing a lot kind of mentally, which we weren't saying about him at the, at the start of the start of the season.
0: Yeah, not in the first six rounds of the season. It's yeah, a completely no. different Max Verstappen. Uh, I want to contrast his strategy as well briefly with Valtteri Bottas. We yep. talk about drivers who, well, Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen was in victory contention, but Valtteri Bottas never was as long as Lewis Hamilton was going to be out on track. Bottas tried the one-stop, a conventional one-stop, yep. super soft to lap 23 and then soft for the rest of the race couldn't make that manage in the same way that Hamilton couldn't make a two-stop race manage. I mean, this really just does underscore the fact that Mercedes was really quite out of sorts in this Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think actually the fact that you had, so my colleague at ESPN, Lawrence Edmondson, in his analysis Mm -hmm. wrote a really pretty good line on it that it was basically Lewis came out of the race wanting Mercedes to have done a Mm one-stop, unhappy with his two-stop. Bottas came out of that race unhappy with his one stop, wishing yeah. they'd done a two stop, and the fact that they couldn't really get either of them done mm-hmm. underlines the fact that we've been talking about. They really, the race pace mm-hmm. wasn't there for them, um, and I think as well, Bottas is kind of he's in that horrible situation where the focus is just that yeah. the, the, Lewis is the one that want to win races, and I, I just wonder. I know they they always say we treat both guys equally, but mm-hmm. when you have so much focus on one car, we've yeah. seen it with Kimi year with Ferrari like it just seems like they just forget the other guys in the race and um at the end I think it reminded me of Silverstone when Bottas was fighting Vettel for a bit in the lead yeah and then his tires they didn't just kind of drop off that they just Mm -hmm. they just disappeared and I think he dropped down the order in that race as well in this one he didn't drop down the order but he just once Vettel got past him he had nothing left
0: yeah it was the last three laps where his tires were completely gone and that's when Vettel got past and ultimately secured one more race in this championship fight when it became obvious Hamilton wasn't going to pass anybody yeah. from third place. So and, and three the bi- laps was all was already counted there.
1: Yeah, and I think the blistering that Mercedes was encountering came down to, there was a few factors there but the way they set their car up as well, yeah. they had to negate the fact they had none of this straight mm-hmm. line speed compared to Ferrari or at least they didn't have the advantage there. So they set the car up and in the in the corners mm-hmm. they're just, just churning through those, especially the soft tyre and as soon as they realized that was happening with Lewis's car, it was too late really to do anything about Bottas's strategy because yeah. otherwise you just, you just basically give the position to Vettel anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was, again, a case of if they had had the Friday data, Absolutely, I think yeah. Bottas would have been in a much better position, but obviously
0: he wasn't. So. Yeah, and if, just touching on that idea that Bottas sort of ended up being Mercedes' forgotten man, <laughs> uh, was even uh, undercut by Max Verstappen. Yeah. Again, perhaps because no one expected Verstappen to legitimately play a role in this race. Mm. Uh, but they weren't even alive to the idea that perhaps that might be a possibility only 22 laps into the Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, and I think that... I mean, I remember when Max emerged, like, you know, the dust kind of settled and I was like, wait, Verstappen... Verstappen, <laughs> it says he's pitted, but he hasn't, yeah. you know, he can of done that yeah. type of thing. Um, but it makes me wonder, I mean, and I wanted to ask you this, what do you think... Obviously, Ricardo was running strongly... Mm-hmm when he retired, mm-hmm. is that a car that could have won, won the race if, he, if, he'd been, if he'd been in there, or was it, was it, is it a second and third for Red Bull instead of a...
0: Well, it's, it is an interesting question, isn't it, because it seems like Ferrari had the quickest car this weekend, yeah. notwithstanding that Verstappen was close, but then Verstappen didn't really have that amount of performance left in the tyres at the end of the race to genuinely challenge Kimi Räikkönen. He sort of had yeah. a little bit of a look here, but it wasn't in the way that Hamilton was challenging him, but had you had Ricardo on a conventional top-five strategy and ahead of Verstappen, for the sake of argument, as he was when he retired, then possibly he would have been in a position, maybe, to pressure Raikkonen. But then you've got to consider, well, it's straight-line speed between Red Bull Racing and Ferrari, right? And Ferrari yeah. has become the king team of that statistic on a race. It would have been very interesting, though. Yeah, it really it. would have been interesting. If we want to maximise our hypotheticals, had Vettel not crashed on the first lap, oh. ah, well, then what do we consider? Well, this is
1: it. And I think, that, I mean, Vettel... Total Wolf said it afterwards, like that he could have won that race, and you wonder. I, I assume he would have done. where well, he would have had to have done something maybe similar to to Max, but really, I think he definitely would have been ahead of Hamilton. There's no doubt about that. If you mm. see how Hamilton struggled, and as soon as he got close to Kimi, he would have. They would have, would have switched him over. Yeah, like, yeah. We're past the day of anyone pretending <laughs> that Ferrari doesn't use team orders, like like, <laughs> we're, like they were claiming over yeah, the yeah. year. Uh, so I think he could have won it, and that's again, that's the shame, That's the shame of it because if he yeah. had done. It would have been like, okay, well, now we're kind of back towards that margin of like, uncertainty for Mercedes, where yeah. if Lewis messes up or has a, an issue, he's back in it. But I think he, he had the pace to do it. And the, the curious thing is, if 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 him and Ricciardo had been in the fight mm-hmm. at the end, we could have had four cars yeah. going for the win, and Lewis Hamilton trying to get fifth, trying to get fourth <laughs> off Verstappen in that, you know, yeah. like, you know, or, or Ricciardo or whoever yeah, was there. Yeah. So it would have been in terms of championship context as well quite, quite fun
0: it would have been something really really interesting it was a really I suppose a, an extremely high velocity chess match at the front it ended up yeah. in Kimi Raikkonen's favour uh, the first of four successive wins. <laughs> I think we're all in well, agreement. Well, first of
1: four this season, and then he's, yeah, got, yeah. he's got, obviously going to roll that tide, roll, ride that wave into next year. <laughs>
0: uh, it was a, it was a great race. It really yeah. delivered. It delivered a, an exciting result for the fans, and well, kept the championship alive. <laughs> yeah. One more race. It's, it,
1: it's nine point five is the count now.
0: Yeah, on <laughs> the boxing ring. <laughs> Nate's been a pleasure to talk <laughs> to you about it. Thanks, dude. That was Nate Saunders, associate editor for ESPN F1. The Strategy Report is a beer podcast powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. You can get every episode by subscribing on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts or on your favourite podcasting app. And you can leave a review to help other F1 fans find the show. You can also read the written report at f1strategyreport.com and stay up to date by finding us on Facebook and Twitter. My name is Michael Amanato. You can find me at Michael Amanato on Twitter. And I'll catch you in just a week's time for a wrap-up of the Mexican Grand Prix.